Tonight, I want to speak to you about issues. Look at your neighbor and say issues. It's found in the book of Mark, the fifth chapter, and we'll begin at verse 25 through 28. The Bible says a certain woman, in other words, she had, the Bible doesn't give mention to her name. It just says that there was a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered. I know it's not on your paper, but I'm going to read the last three verses. And had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. I want to draw our attention to the first portion of verse 25. And a certain woman which had an issue. In the 21st century, 2019... I remember when Y2K hit, I never dreamed that I would see 2019. Am I the only one? I figured by now we'd have flying cars, flying skateboards, like back to the future. But we don't. What we have is a world that's full of issues. People that have issues. You talk... To everybody, anybody that you know, they have issues. You ever been in a conversation with someone and go, man, you have some issues going on. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but anybody ever been told you have some issues? <laughs> but here in the book of Mark, the Bible defines a woman, a certain woman, which had an issue. She was separated and alone day after day, month after month year after year, with no physical contact from any other human being. She could not touch anyone. She could not be around anyone due to her issue. It was her very presence that caused some who knew her condition to recoil in order to avoid their own contamination. Because of her issue, the law stated that they could not be around her or touch her. So for 12 years, life hemorrhaged from her body, leaving her weak and unclean in the eyes of her family and community. She was alone. She was cut off, hearing only the whispers of her neighbors, but also the screams of her own self-condemnation. She had invested the very little money that she had in one false hope after another to rid herself of this plague, but to no avail. She spent all that she had, the Bible says, to many physicians, and nothing got better. She tried this and tried that only to get worse and worse and worse, to be isolated and alone in her condition. Can you imagine having an issue so great that you are alone day in and day out, week after week, month after month, year after year? Your issue separates you from those who love you and those who you love. There was no counselor for this woman. There was no doctor who did not know her. She tried to sell her their, their own remedy for her situation. I, I always tease. I, I'm thankful that we have people that are smart and that can go to medical school and become a doctor. I've been to the doctor before. I generally don't go. I wait. I'm the type of person that I wait to the 
absolute that's I understand that's probably just the man in me but I wait to the last minute then when I go he goes ah we're going to try this and if this doesn't work come back and then we're going to try this and then I know that I'm probably the only one that's been there but I, this is what this woman went to. She went to a doctor seeking relief only to find him to say, try this, and it didn't work. She went to another one to get another opinion. The problem is when you have an issue and you go to variety of people to get a fix for your issue, you're always going to get an opinion that will not fix what only God can. We have to be very careful when we have an issue that we don't take the issue to everybody trying to get it fixed without the instruction of God's word. It was within the walls of her condition as they began to close in on her. She finally realized that she could no longer live with this certain issue in her life. She came to herself and said, I have to do something. I have to act. If I have to do it by myself, I must do it by myself. As Christians, we have to get to a point where we lay aside our pride. We lay aside what we may think others are going to think of us. And we go to where we know we can get help. That's why every service is vital in our walk with God. Amen. She had to do something. She said... I'll do something drastic. I'll go beyond my comfort zone. I feel to say this now in the Holy Ghost. And I understand it's Wednesday and I'm supposed to remain calm, but I'm still on fire from Sunday. I'm still full of the Holy Ghost from what happened in here Sunday morning and Sunday night. I believe that if we are going to reciprocate the outpouring of miracles, signs, and wonders, and healings, and infillings of the Holy Ghost, not ones and twos, but hundreds and hundreds in this body we have got to begin to do drastic measures we have to do things you know it's just we think wow what can i do that is drastic that will change don't sit on this side if you normally sit on this side i i'll never forget i was preaching revival young and i was young in my ministry and um we it was one it was a tough service and we don't have those here a whole lot, but it was one of those tough services where you just, you felt like God wanted to move and you just, it just, just couldn't get it, the ball rolling, so to speak. And as I got up to preach, I said, you know what? Let's all stand. They thought I was getting ready to read the word. I said, everybody pick up your purse and your Bible. They thought I was going to close before ever preaching. They all gathered the stuff. They're looking around at each other. I said, all of you that are sitting on this side, move on this side. And all of you that are sitting here, step over here. And it was like something clicked in the spirit. As soon as I did that, I said, let's sing that last chorus one more time before I preach. And Brother Scott, it was like a liberty came because people, we, we they got so focused that this is my section, this is my comfort zone, this is where I've always been. And that comfort place can become an issue that will hinder the spirit of God flowing in our lives. So the drastic measure may not be you, you taking five laps or doing cartwheels, which I have seen in Pentecost. It may be as simple as moving a seat, but I promise you, if we will become willing to do whatever it takes necessary, 
We're going to see a great and mighty outpouring. The church ought to say amen. We find this woman, first we see her in the Bible. She is weakly walking, walking, sometimes crawling, pushing in desperation through the suffocating crowd to get her one last best hope, Jesus Christ. Now look closely at this woman as she presses through the mob. Take a good look at the suffering face in your mind's eyes. She's trying so desperately to conceal from those around her who would reject her and her quest. Imagine, she's alone. Every time she would walk to a place, everybody would scatter. But yet she hears that Jesus is coming to town and she says, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to touch him. Now the crowds in those days were all around him. I imagine they he would could barely move to a point. But she said, I'm going to drop down in humility. And I'm going to crawl my way to get him in hopes that nobody recognizes me. Because if someone recognizes me, they're going to tell me you got to leave. Because you have an issue. Because when you get close enough to discern her features, you will find out that this woman just looks like you and I. All of us have secret issues that hinder us. Secret struggles that keep us barren and hidden. These issues are fearing, guilt, shame, hurt, failure. And what these do is they drain the abundant life from us. They keep the blessings of God from flowing in our life. But regardless of the specific issue, all of us experience limitations in our walk in the kingdom of God. And just like it was with this woman in Mark 5, there is only one answer, only one way to deal with our issues. We must reach out to Jesus. It is our flesh, it is our natural man's instinct that when trouble comes or an issue arises, that we withdraw ourselves and we say, no, I'm going to handle this on my own. I'm going to take care of this on my own. I can figure it out. But the Bible says that the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. And when you reach up, His word says his arm is not shortened. That no matter, you may not feel like you can reach God. I feel him right now in this house. But if you will reach up and continue to reach up, there's going to come a point in time that in your situation, your issue, you're going to feel the hand of God. And he's going to reach down. He's going to pick you up. I'm trying to stay calm. I feel it tonight. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Mm. What is an issue? An issue is a condition, an attitude, a circumstance that robs us of life that Jesus Christ has secured secured for us. Not just a life, but an abundant life. Issues are those private, secret things of our past and present that show us to hinder, block, trouble They hold us hostage, abort, and even destroy our dreams, hopes, and our desires. Issues are the challenges, the problems, the crisis that attach themselves to us and block our success, our victory, and our effectiveness in the kingdom of God. Issues show up without invitation. Somebody ought to say amen. Issues are like a flat tire. They're frustrating. They're time-consuming. They're costly. See, the word issue has become a popular term in modern psychology. Before, uh, I will 
date back. When I first got in church, people would always say it's a besetting sin. It's something that holds you back. Now we say someone has, quote unquote, unresolved issues. But while we point accusing fingers at someone else, we overlook the fact that we ourselves are lugging around the heavy baggage of our own issues. Now we can be, we, if we're honest with ourselves tonight, the Lord's gonna help us. The Bible says, lay down every weight and the sin. We have no issue laying down the sin, but it's sometimes the weight that we continue to drag. It's the issues. Because the issues become a crutch and sometimes crutches become a magnet to draw attention to ourselves instead of the kingdom of God. So what do issues look like? How do they affect my life? Here are eight examples of how issues are in our lives and how they affect them on a daily basis. Number one, issues are secret. They're secret. Issues are those uniquely personal things that we try to push out of our way. But in our own way, we don't have the strength or the intellect to do this very thing. So what we do is we hide these problems from everyone. And we pray that no one will ever discover the secret wounds, the imperfections that make us vulnerable as a person. Luke 12 and 2 in the message Bible says you can't keep your true self hidden forever. Before long you'll be exposed. You can't hide behind a religious mask forever. Sooner or later the mask will slip and your true face will be known. When I first got in the church and maybe you've heard it. We put on the Pentecostal smile. You walk into the church and... We say, hey, praise the Lord, brother. How are you? Oh, everything's good. Everything's fantastic. We come to church and we sit there and we're wounded on the inside. We're hurting. We're lonely. We don't know what to do or where to go. But yet we put on this facade, this this Pentecostal face that says, I can't let anybody know that I'm having an issue, that I'm dealing with something. Because we, we feel the enemy wants us to feel that if we expose our secret issues, that we are weak and that, that we, we're not strong Christians. But oh, on the contrary, it's when we expose our issue and say I'm struggling with this will you help me we lift each other up and the Bible says a two-fold cord is strong but a three-fold cord cannot be easily broken because when we unite one with another when I in our issues God comes in and he strengthens that bond and we won't walk out feeling lonely and destitute broken and bruised and battered The second example is that issues cause separation. Everybody say separation. Just like the woman in Mark 5, this issue that she had separated her from God and from people. We try to keep them to ourselves. Even We may even try to hide them under a facade. Because what issues do is they make us fear relationships. Hear me now. Issues will not allow us at times to build friendships in the church. 
won't allow us to connect the way our heart really wants us to connect with somebody because our issue keeps us at arm's reach. An issue that that we have can keep us from the intimacy of God. It's those times where you fall on your face and you, you're going through something and you need God to intervene. And you get down, you may even drive all the way over to the church and get into the prayer room. You turn on some music and you begin to walk around and you begin to pray. You, and you tell yourself, I'm not going to look at the clock. Not going to look at the clock. And you catch yourself, Lord Jesus, I th- you think you've been praying ten minutes and you've only been there two and a half. It's because you don't feel Him. Because you don't have that instantaneous, eyes He's here. Because there are times, I believe, that the Lord does step back and to see how bad we want deliverance from our issue. He wants us to pursue Him, to chase Him, to go after Him. Because if God gave us everything every time we called His name, then we would be spoiled. We would have no need of prayer A deep committed where we find our face, where we stand in the gap, where we intercede and we do what the Bible calls the spirit begins to groan. Many prayer meetings I've been in and didn't know what was happening at at that time. But afterwards I found out you hear somebody over there, Brother Scott, going, oh, just hollering. I at first as a young person, I thought, oh, man, they're in trouble. I'd I'd go over there and pray, see what was going on as a teenager. But they were travailing in the Holy Ghost. The Spirit was interceding for what their flesh could not do. Can I tell you, if you'll take your issue on the knees and you'll talk to God until God moves on you and you let the Holy Ghost that is inside of you begin to stir up the Holy Ghost, that's why we have it. It's just not to overcome sin, but it's to overcome ourselves. It gives us power that when we fall on our face and we let the Spirit begin to work, the Holy Ghost knows me better than I know myself. And if I can find myself and tell myself I'm not going to isolate, I'm not going to separate, I'm not going to keep myself because my issue does not define me. The circumstance that you're going through does not define you tonight. Hear me what I tell you. My God, I'm sorry it's Wednesday and I'm trying not to get excited, but I feel so strong in the Holy Ghost. Somebody's dealing with an issue and you're trying to, to hold it in and God's saying just let it go and let me be God. Because the enemy wants your issue to separate you from the body. Because when you become separate from the body, the blood flow, the source of strength is cut off. Mm, Somebody say amen. We are frightened when we have issues that separate us because we don't want to appear vulnerable. Isaiah 59 and 2. It says your sins are the roadblock between you and your God. That's why he doesn't answer your prayer or let you see his face. That's scary when you think about that and read it in that version. To think that something in my life could block me from God. Maybe that's why God's not answering. Maybe that's why God is not showing my face. Because I have unresolved issues in my life. 
Number three, issues always flow from a source. A source. Everything in our lives comes from something at some point in time in our life. No matter what it was, where it was, whether it was your childhood, your adolescence, your teenage, your young adult, your married life, every issue comes from somewhere. May it have been a word that was said in your life. May it have been an action or a deed that was done in your life. But an issue that comes in your life has derived and arrived from something. The Greek word for issue is rusis, which means a flowing. Issues in our lives such as fear, anger, bitterness, they flow from a source of our past experience or a belief system. And until we deal with the source of these issues, they will continue to flow in our lives. And when this happens, we go through the same frustrating patterns of behavior over and over and over. Is anyone in here? You don't have to raise your hand. You just give me a good old nod. It seemed like you went through a trial. You, you went through something and then it kind of went away. And then maybe a couple weeks or months later, it was right back. You were going through the same thing again. Been there. I've done that. I have the t-shirt in my closet. And I asked one of my elders one time when I was a young person, I'm like, why do I keep going through this? Why am I dealing with the same thing over and over? He said, because you're not handling it right the first time. I went, um, <laughs> what do you say to that rebuke? I said, okay, what do I need to do? He said, you need to handle it right. I said, how do I handle it right? He said, you deal with it at the very moment it is conceived in your mind. You deal with it right then and there. You don't let it linger. You don't let it harbor in your heart. You, you deal with it right then. And I learned that when something arose in my life, I dealt with it as best as I could right there in prayer, in fasting, in the word. I dealt with it and I didn't battle that anymore. Now, not to say it never came back up again, but there are some times that our issues flow from something that happens that we're not dealing with correctly. Therefore, the behavior is, is learned and we do the same thing over and over and over. Someone once said that a rut is nothing but an open-ended grave. You go forward a little bit and then you come back. You go forward and you come back, never moving, always just spinning your wheel, going through the same thing over and over and over again. Romans 7 through verse 21 through 24 says it happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Now that's amazing right there. Said so this, this happens regularly it's predictable that when i want to do good sin is there to trip me up i want to do and i delight myself in god commands but it's pretty obvious that all of me doesn't want to do that that there's always going to be a part of me that doesn't want to delight in god it says parts of me covertly rebel and just when i least expect it they take charge I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Now, isn't that the real question? Who can do something for me? 
Paul said to the church at Rome. He said, when I would do good, I, I, I can't. I'm going to read in the King James Version. Paul said, I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Who can help me with this issue, this source, this thing that I I go through, that I'm going through? How do I deal with it now with something that happened a long time ago? A couple of weeks ago, I talked about forgiveness. And in my, in my belief, that is the very first thing. We have to forgive. Not only the other person, but we have to forgive ourselves. And we have to understand where we made the mistake and move on from there. The Bible says in Micah 7 and 8, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. Not if I fall, not if I have an issue, but when I have an issue. When I have a problem that comes up in my life, what am I going to do about it? I'm going to get up and I'm going to rise up. I'm going to look at what caused me to fall. Don't look at where you fell, where you landed. Look at what caused you, the very source, the thing that caused you to get to where you are. Go back to that and speak to that thing by the authority of the Word of God and say, you will not do that to me again. Maybe I'm the only one that speaks to myself. I'm in my car driving. Somebody cuts me off. And I said, in the name of Jesus, Tim, you will not get mad again by the authority of the word of God. And I do the best I can to pray for that person. (laughs) We all have issues. That's why if you're going to be that way, don't have a sticker on the back that says honk if you love Jesus. <laughs> it's all right. This is our life group. It's all right to laugh. We got to have a little life in here making me nervous. <laughs> okay, we're still alive. Number four. Issues result in character traits that limit us. It's so funny that I've lost my... Now, you may laugh at this, but I feel like I've lost my southern accent. I don't hear it anymore. I call back home and I talk to my mom. She's like, well, hey, Tim Barber. And I'm like, wow. I go, my wife is like, yep. But that's, a, that's part of who I am. And all I have to do is to be on my, with the phone with my mom for about two minutes and I'm right back into Johnston County, Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm talking that, that southern good old North Carolina ling- lingo. It's not North Carolina, it's North Carolina. <laughs> it's funny because North Carolina, a lot of people from New York and northern states, if you live in Virginia and North Carolina, we call you the North. It's funny. If you live in Durham, you're from the north, which is 45 minutes north of Raleigh. We, we were considered southerners. But to hear them come down and they think we talk funny while we think they talk funny with their New York accent. You know, Pak and 
I love it. My wife's aunt is from Boston, and I loved. I ask her a hundred times when we go visit them. Where's your? Um, can we take her? And I get her to say "ka" all the time. But that's where she's from, so that's how she speaks. I'm from North Carolina. I may sound a little southern, but I like it. I'm getting a little Yankee fine. I'll never lose. <laughs> I'll never lose my love for. I'm not going to mention food, but I'm never going to lose my love for where I came from. People have been teasing me about food, hurt my feelings, become an issue in my life. <laughs> See, we, I'm telling you, we all have issues. Somebody brought up marriage retreat today. And a song that was saying. And I said, it's never going to go away, is it? And they looked at me real with a Pentecostal smile and goes, no. We all have issues. But issues result in character traits that limit us. Not everything that happens in my life is an issue. <laughs> oh, Jesus, take the wheel. Anybody ever had teenagers? Everything's an issue. I can't find my other shoe. I could go on, but I'm not. You know, you've been there. <laughs> Everything in my life that happens to me is not an issue. If I drive down the road and I have a flat tire, I can't make, I can make it an issue. But it doesn't have to be. I was waiting for an account to open um, in another state. I believe it was last week and I get there early so I could read the Bible for a little bit because they don't open to a certain time. And I guess because a customer saw my car parked there, they thought the store was already open. And they get out and the door was locked and he checked it like Christmas time. He didn't check it once. He checked it twice with a second checking was with a violent shake and a lot, a lot of loud mumbling on the way back to his car. He slammed the door in his car, and I thought, my goodness. Now, what would have happened if he would have, he made an issue out of something that shouldn't have been an issue, and then that issue, he would have went to his car, slammed his door, his glass shattered. There's another issue. See, we can make an issue out of something that doesn't have to be an issue that will create more issues that can create another issue. The Bible says a little leaveth leaveth a whole lump. We have to be very careful in our life what we allow to become issues in our life. Amen. We have to be, and I'm learning, I'm learning because I, if you don't know me and I haven't talked to me, I, I like to talk. I like to have fun. And, and I'm high strung. I, I am. I just go, 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 go. It's a, it's not a good, character trait to have. I need to calm down once in a while. My wife, my kids are like, dad, calm down. I'm like, what? I'm having fun. I'm great. Let's go. <laughs> but, but I, I, I can allow things in my life to, to create an issue that will begin to become who I am. So if I allow myself to be offended over something that could have been brushed off 
Then I create another issue, which is bitterness. And then that creates separation. And before I realize it, I'm away from the body of Christ while I'm surrounded by the body. I'm in the church, but I'm not connected to the church. It's not enough just to come to the church. We must be the church. Connect with one another. Because if we do not do this, it becomes a character trait. I believe it was uh, Wayne Hundley once said, Christians are like cars. They start missing a little bit before they completely quit. We have to be very careful because it can be easy to miss a service and say, oh, you know what? Oh, man, this thing came up. That thing came up. Now, I understand we work and there are things that come up. Don't misunderstand me or misread what I'm saying. But it can become a, a part of what we are and who we are. Romans 14 and 23 says, but if you're not sure, if you notice that you are acting in ways inconsistent with what you believe, some days trying to impose your opinions on others. Uh-oh. <laughs> we don't like this message version. Other days just trying to please them. In other words, one day you're telling people how they should live. The next day you're trying to live how they're living to make them happy. Now the rubbers hit the road. It says, then you know that you're out of line. It's at that point when I find myself conflicted, imposing myself on one, per one person one day while trying to please them the next day. My character is out of balance. It says, if the way you live isn't consistent with what you believe, then it's wrong. It creates character traits. Number five, issues trigger strong emotions. The strongest emotion people with issues experience is fear. Usually the fear of rejection if their issue is exposed. This can be accompanied by shame, guilt, anger, frustration, hopelessness, despair. On the other hand, our issues can trigger the emotional issues of other people, making honest relationships almost impossible. Solomon said in the book of Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 25, the fear of human opinion disables, but trusting in God protects you from that. That's a powerful statement. That having the fear of what people think about me and in, in my life, can disable me in my walk with God. You know, like when you're youth and when you, you, you like that girl in the youth group, when you did like that girl in the youth group, and you're afraid to worship because of what will she think of me? God said run the aisles and you didn't run because you were scared. What will I look like? I know, I'm, I'm preaching to me. Let me say this. Let me encourage you that if God, if you ever feel that unction that says, get out and dance, get out and run the aisles, get up and walk back and forth. Let me say that's not the enemy. The devil will never tell you to do anything that's going to bring glory to God. I've been there because, see, that's my blessing. God said, run. I said, oh, no, God, I can't do it. He said, go. I said, I can't do it, God. I, you know, you have those arguments with God during worship service. Go, go pray for that person. I can't do it, Lord. I can't walk all over there. It'll seem silly. I'll look out of place. And God keeps pushing you to go. And then all of a sudden you open your eyes after God's talking to you. And you see somebody else start walking all the way across to that person. 
or God tells you to go ahead, get up there and dance, give, worship me a little bit. And you say, oh, I don't know. Nobody else is doing it. I can't do it. And all of a sudden somebody breaks out and you look and I'll never forget that feeling I had. I'm like, oh, I want to run the aisle so bad. I want to run the aisle so bad. But uh, there's a lot of people here and I, not many of them know me and I don't know what to do. What do I do? And God said, go. And I said, I can't go. And then God said, I'm done arguing and bless somebody else. I don't want you to miss your blessing. I don't don't want to miss my blessing. I want to obey what the Spirit says. I don't want to have a fear of what other people may think of me when it comes to doing the right thing. Because you can never go wrong by doing the right thing. But if we will trust in God, God will protect us from the belief and opinions of others. Number six, issues result in bondage. 1 John 4 and 18, there is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment is one not yet fully formed in love. So as we carry our issues with us year after year, we begin to adapt our lives to them. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, she had limited her entire existence to the secret issue that plagued her. A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Our lives are only as effective as the issues we have resolved. Too often we walk through life in a spiritual paranoia. (laughs) Allowing our issues to direct our paths. Number seven. Issues often become excuses. Everybody say excuses. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. The message version reads this way. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life. A God-fashioned life. A life renewed from the inside, working itself into our conduct as God accurately reproduces His character in you. Here's the way the King James Version reads. That you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Many talented people headed for greatness instead find themselves detoured onto side roads full of doubt and hurt. All because their issues, they were allowed to grow in their life unchecked. These people began to think of themselves as victims. (coughs) This pushes them further and further away i've dealt with many people as you have that says i I just i would love to come to church but i've I've done so much wrong i can't go you don't know my story you don't know what i've done and i tell them you're right i don't know what you've done god knows what you've done that's why god is the only one that can forgive you God is the only one that can take care of that issue. That issue can't be an excuse when we understand that there is mercy and grace renewed in our life every single day. And the final example is that issues are part of the enemy's strategy. 
2 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11. It says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So how does the enemy get advantage over us? By issues. By sometimes planting little seeds of doubt and fear, hopelessness and despair in our lives to make us feel nobody will ever know if I don't come. Nobody will ever care if I don't go to the altar. No one will ever care what I'm going through. That's the enemy. He wants to create an issue in your life. Because frequently our issues are used by hell and the enemy to defeat us. Because if we allow those feelings to go unchecked, they bind our present circumstance and our future with ropes of the past. It's true. Even in the church there there can be hurt. Even in the church there can be loneliness. Even in the church there can be despair. That's why we have to be wise and we have to pay attention one to another and, and, and be there one for another. We have to unify ourselves. Ephesians 4 and 5 says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That God is one. That we have to keep the unity of the faith. We have to come together and say, I will not let you go. I'm going to hold on to you because I love you. I know you're going through something and the enemy is trying to destroy you. But I refuse to stop praying. I refuse to stop grabbing you and pulling you to the altar. Anybody ever had that? I'm going to call it, it's probably not this word, but it's the only word I can think of, that awkward moment where you're standing there in the back, you got an issue, your friend knows you have an issue, and God tells them to go get you and calls you to run. They run back there, and, oh no, you ain't standing back here. I'm sorry, I know the camera, we don't have a camera guy moving with me, so I'll stay stationary. I'm moving in. <laughs> They walk back there and say, oh, no, no, no. You're not going to stand here while God's moving and let the enemy win. And they grab you and they pull you out and say, we're going to go and we're going to resolve this issue. That's what the body of Christ is about. You're my brother. You're my sister. The enemy may try to destroy you. But if God will help me through his spirit, I will not let you die in your dilemma. I refuse to allow the enemy to plan a scheme of something to get planted in your spirit that tells you you're not worth anything, that there is no hope, that you're not wanted. That is a lie from the enemy. I will not let that issue happen. I will not let the enemy have advantage on us. Somebody ought to say amen. Because we know it's his plan. But it's not enough just to know that we all have issues. That knowledge alone is not enough to depress us and become another issue in itself. We must understand that we can be free of these issues. Look at your neighbor and tell them you can be free of it. I know, I know the past, I, I, I know we've been telling each other a lot the past couple services. I like it. In case you don't get it the first time, your neighbor's been asked to tell you again. Look at him and tell him, God can free you of your issue. Come on, tell him. God can free you of it. John 8, 36 says, so if the sun sets you free, you are free through and through. 
We must also understand that until our deliverance comes, the kingdom of God goes on in spite of my issue. In spite of what I'm going through, the kingdom of God's going to advance. Even with my limitations, with my imperfections, we are somehow, I am somehow useful to God. Thank you, Jesus. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In other words, I know I'm in an issue. I know I'm going through something. But in my issue, I know the power of God is on my life. That makes me excited. To know that I'm going through something, but His grace is sufficient. Because whatever God brought me to, His grace will take me through. So how? How can I find healing for my issue? Mark chapter 5 actually gives us three principles to follow when we are to find healing and wholeness for our issues. Number one, exhaust. We must come to the point where our resources are exhausted And we realize that we cannot heal ourselves. We cannot fix ourselves. We often deal with the symptoms, but rarely with the root of our issues. I'll say that again. We deal with the symptoms, but never the root of our issue. That's because no issue has ever been settled by touching man. No issue has ever been settled by touching another man. We must touch God. The only way my circumstance, my situation is going to change is if I find a way, somehow, some way, to grab a hold of the horns of the altar and pray until I know that I've touched God. If a man went to the hospital with an arrow in his chest, the doctor just doesn't give him, you know, here's a couple Tylenol. I think 660 milligrams of Advil work. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this arrow in your chest, take this 660 milligrams of Advil. I'm going to send you right down the hall to this seminar. And it's going to tell you how to better manage your life. Nobody wants that. When you're hurting and you're in pain, I'll take the Advil, but I'll take Jesus on top of it. I need to know that there's a way out. I need to know what can you do. I need to pull this issue out and deal with the wound. Because the only way to bring lasting healing is to turn all of my situations over to the chief physician, the chief surgeon. Number two is to expose it. Our issues must be brought out into the light in order to be healed. Now hear what I'm about to say. When I say that, that does not mean to give you free access to go around and just tell everybody all your problems. What that means is, is that first you take it to God. Amen. You expose it to God. I've learned here, here in the past few years that, you know, I've been guilty of it. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Just a generic repent statement. Repentance statement. And it's been said as well as God has checked in my spirit. God already knows them all, but God wants me to tell him where I think I failed. He wants me to expose my issue. That way, 
I hear it. I'm conscious of it. And when it comes up again, I can deal with it in according to the word of God. In fact, if our issues aren't brought, <clears throat> brought, brought into the light, they will not miraculously vanish on their own. In fact, they will be pushed under or they will be denied. But they will always come back to the surface until we bring them to God. Remember how your mom used to tell you that some cuts only heal if they're left uncovered or exposed to fresh air? <laughs> I, I would tell you what my mom did when I got a cut. It wasn't good. It was left open. It wasn't uncovered. It was covered with stuff. It was. I guess it's a southern thing, but it, it healed. I still got my legs, so I'm good. Your mom would mom say, oh, that's all right. Just let it breathe. Let it breathe a little bit. You have to let that you have to let that wound breathe a little bit, because if you keep the bandaid on it too long, it gets moisture under there and it begins to become infected. But see, that's how our spiritual wounds are. If we'll expose our wounds. The thing we fear the most is what heals us. I'm going to say amen to myself. That was good. If I will expose my issue, it's the exposure of what I'm afraid of that's going to make me whole. It's not exposure to others because the woman with the issue of blood as she was crawling her way. Now I want you to see this. She could, she's down on all fours in the dirt. The crowd is moving. Dust is everywhere. Rocks are flying. She's down there. If man and woman, her neighbor, her family could have healed her, she would have been grabbing everybody on the way. But she came to the realization a long time ago. Nobody can fix it for me except God. And there is Jesus. And I'm going to do whatever I need to by any means necessary to get to him. <clears throat> Number three, expect. <clears throat> expect. The woman with the issue of blood risked everything on her faith in the ability of Jesus to restore her. What does this require? It requires total trust. Issues that have been surrendered to the Lord will bring Him glory. You think that your issue brings shame and a, a blind eye to God, but actually what it does is when you bring your issue to God, it brings God glory. After all, if I could handle my issues on my own, who would get the credit? I would. I say, look what I did. Look what I did. Look how I fixed this. I was this way, but look how I did this. But this woman in Mark 5 was so desperate enough to reach out to Jesus. So my question is, are we desperate enough to become to such a, to get to such a point in our walk with God that we will exhaust, we will expose, and we expect that when we reach out to Jesus Christ that He's going to reach out to us. See, prior to her miracle, Jesus never spoke to this woman. He never touched her. He was busy with the crowd. I mean, He's got people, the Bible says, thronging Him. That means people were bumping into Him. And Jesus looks and goes, who touched me? And I imagine Peter... 
Now we, uh, we have this idea that the disciples were in their 40s, distinguished looking, smart, handsome. I mean, kind of like what you're looking at tonight. Good look, good hair. But in reality, they were young people. So I imagine one of the disciples going, come on, Jesus, really? So who touched you? I mean, who touched you? Do you see all these people around you? They knocking you down. They knocking me down. And you're going to ask me who touched me. He said, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me. I felt virtue leave me. It was the drastic measure of a woman in a drastic situation that caused her to pull virtue out of God manifested in flesh. Jesus never touched, never talked to her, but her faith was so strong that just the fringe, the bottom of his garment was enough. It wasn't a dramatic, it wasn't impressive, it wasn't like in, in, in some of these uh, the, these runs they do where they run, they climb, they go through the mud and they get to the top or, and they ring the bell. It wasn't American Ninja Warrior where he climbed to the top and hit the bell real fast. She didn't do that. She's just secretly crawling with her issue. I don't want anybody to see me. I, you can't help me. You can't help me. There's nothing you can do. I'm sorry. But I, I, please don't run. I'm trying to resolve my issue. Will you just hold? I know that. What, what, could you guys just stop a moment? I'm trying to get to Jesus. Her desperation, her faith got to a point where all she had to do was just touch the bottom of his garment. It wasn't, the crowd did not even notice what happened. The only one that knew that he, that, that she had done a great thing was Jesus Christ. Because her faith was so powerful, she had exhausted everything in her life. That when she finally got to a point that she touched him, it was enough. And it worked. So my question is to you tonight as I close. How much of Jesus is enough to heal your issue? How much do you need of God for God to completely make you whole? So what do I have to do, Brother Barber? What do I have to do? What, enough is enough. Enough is enough. So what do you do? You reach. You keep coming to church service after service, day after day, week after week. And you get to that point where you break through every barrier. You exhaust every measure, which I hope is not a long list. You expose your issue and allow God to heal it. And then you come to a service and you expect a miracle. You come in this house and you expect today's the day that I'm going to touch him. And he's going to touch my body. Today's the day that I'm going to go to that altar and I'm going to stretch my hands forth and I'm going to believe what I've been praying and what I've been doing and God is going to take care of my issue stand with me now as I close the Lord wants to help us tonight all of that teaching to tell you quit exhausting everything and everybody else expose your need to the Lord tonight you say well he already knows it therefore I know but the the Bible says that God wants to hear you speak it he wants to hear you say it and when you say it 
And you come to the realization, I have this issue. And God, I know that you are God. You sit on a throne. You are high and lifted up. And Lord, I know that as I reach up, your word is forever settled. That you will reach down for the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. That if I reach, God will reach. Jesus told his disciples, I will not send you where I myself will not come. Whatever you're going through, whatever we're dealing with in our lives, you know that God is on his way. He's waiting for the moment where we exhaust, we expose, and we expect, and then we reach. So right now, why don't we reach towards heaven, lift up our eyes, lift up our voices, lift up our hands, and say, Lord, I'm calling out to you tonight. Come on, lift your voice on this Wednesday night. Lift it up right now. Lord, I need you. You know my situation. You know my circumstance. And Lord, you are the only one that is able to fulfill it. You are the only one, God, that is able to render and rectify, God, my issue by me, Lord, saying, here I am I am open and I am undone I stand before you now with outstretched arms lifting up my hands toward heaven asking you Lord God to come in and to heal me touch my mind touch our hearts touch our spirits God make us whole again in the name of Jesus Christ hallelujah hallelujah I truly believe It's been preached many, many times. Like the ten lepers. They came to Jesus. And Jesus said, you are healed. Go show yourself to the priest. All of them took off running to the priest. Because according to law, the priest had to solidify, yes, you are healed of leprosy. But one of them realized, my my issue has been taken care of. I don't have the disease of leprosy anymore. I don't have that disease. See, what leprosy is in the physical body, it starts in the center and it works to the extremities, causing numbness of the hands and your ears and the blood flow to your nose and they begin to fall off. So here we have ten lepers running away, missing appendages. One of them realizes, God just took care of my my issue. He took care of my leprosy. I've got to go back. I'm going to reach for him and I'm going to fall down and I'm going to say thank you. And it was at the moment that he went back and he went from a place of thanks to a place of worship that God said you shall be made whole. In Greek it means sozo. It means to be restored. In other words, if he had missing fingers, God put them back. If his ear was missing, God put it back. Could it be tonight? That if we will reach to God and begin to worship Him, that God will restore to us what the issue in our life has destroyed. Could it be that at this moment, if you would just reach up and say, God, I'm reaching, I'm stretching my borders. I need you, Lord, that God's going to say, go your way. I'm restoring your joy. I'm restoring peace. I'm restoring hope. I'm restoring the victory in your life. Come on, lift your voice just for a few moments and worship him. I turn it all over to you, Lord. I turn it all over to you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Would you clap your hands and thank Him right now? Hallelujah.
Amen, amen. Everybody say amen. I dismiss you in Jesus' name. Remember the North Campus, the youth will not be out until 8 o'clock.